Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Stock Market Investing with the Armor Report. I'm Brett Rosenthal, and you're looking at a picture of what's right outside my door. Welcome. So, obviously, one has to ask oneself, how crazy am I? What kind of an addict am I about the stock market to be spending time with you on a Saturday when I can be outside my door? I appreciate you joining me. I'll be here every single Saturday because this is what I do. I love it. I live it. It's a passion, not a job. And that's why I'm here. And I imagine that's why you guys are here. I'm not spending time outside on your Saturday. So let's kill it for the next hour and then go, you know, relax and unwind for the weekend. The Armour Report is about bringing individual to, uh, investors together with a flow of proprietary institutional information. It's a process I've been devel- developing for over 30 years. I call it the Armour Investing Way. It's a three-stage process for investing. What we're trying to do here, as I share this information with you, is make investing you know, simple to understand easy to execute. That's the job. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our fundamental whiteboard ideas. I'm going to share them with you. We're going to take our algorithms that we have proprietary developed over the last decade to help us know when to add or subtract risk. I'm going to share it with you. Then we're going to wrap it all up with a defensive um, approach of stop losses. Because no matter how smart we think we are, no matter how great our algorithms are, none of that works if you don't stop losses correctly and then ride your successes when you can. That's the Armour Investing way. That's what I'm trying to share with you. Don't forget to hit that like button. I would appreciate it. It would help me out if you could do that for me and you enjoy this conversation. You can also subscribe right down here. There's a subscription button to subscribe to the Armour Report, this YouTube channel. And of course, you can go check out our website. Before I delve in, always the disclaimer, I don't know you, I can't possibly tell you what stocks to buy, right? I'm not recommending stocks here. What I am recommending is a disciplined strategy to put you on the right side of probabilities over and over again when reward's worth the risk. That sentence to me, in a nutshell, is what investing is all about. If you're trying to manage your own assets, You've got to figure out how to put yourself on the right side of probabilities when rewards worth risk, but recognize that investing is about probabilities. Okay? Unless you want to just buy the market and hold stocks and hope they go up over time and you don't care if you lose 40% in two months because one day the market will go higher because the Fed will support you. If that's your point of view, you shouldn't be watching this show. I'm about protecting my own capital number one, and then capturing upside when I get windows of opportunity. Okay, and that's what I'm going to share. So today we're going to go over what happened last week in the market and what we think might happen next week. And we're going to focus on the armor algorithms because they're really giving us a good guide. And I want to make sure you guys understand how to use these algorithms, what they mean. All right, and we're going to break down where we're focused in the armor portfolios. Okay, because 2021 leaders will be different than the 2020 leaders you made money on last year. Okay. And you've, you've got to wrap your head around that, or it's going to be a very difficult year. All right. Now I want to discuss gold and silver again. We haven't talked about it for a while. You all know I'm a closet bull on gold and silver. Okay. But I don't come on here and talk about it when the charts are arguing with our fundamental opinion. When the armor algos say, risk off, you can't own these stocks, I don't talk about it because I don't want to get all excited about something. And then you go make a, a, a bad decision because you think you're going to force your will on the market. We can't do that. We don't do that here. But there were developments last week that are important. Next week is OPEX. So I want to talk about what can happen. And if it doesn't happen, what does that mean? And then, of course, June is a very important month. So 
want to give you some quick thoughts on that. And of course, we'll wrap up with the cannabis couch before I get your questions. So feel free to load up the chat board over here and, and um, with your questions, and I'll go back over it one at a time. Don't forget to hit the like button, okay? Hit that like, like button. I appreciate it. Helps us out. Helps us grow our community. And what I like to say about the Armor Report, subscribers are uh, aware of this, Armor Insiders. We are an army of analysts followed up by a tank division of algorithms, and that's how we create alpha on a long-term basis. So the Armor Insider community, we're all coming together in the Slack room every day during trading and sharing ideas, bubbling them up to the surface to see what is the top shelf we want to focus on. And we use algos to help us execute and stop discipline to save us from ourselves. So let's dive in. Um, well, there's that lovely picture. I can't wait to get on that hammock. This is a different picture. It's the S&P. So I always like to start here with the S&P. What I want to say first about the risk monitor. Um, the Armour Report has a risk monitor, right? We have really four different sections of our website for Armour Insiders. We've got the Armour portfolios where we share what we're adding, subtracting to portfolios, both the index only, the swing, and the invest portfolios. That spreadsheet shares all of our stop losses. Whenever I change the stops, we share it, what our targets are, those types of things. Then we have our whiteboard. Do we research all week, talking to management teams, listening to conference calls. So we're constantly reordering that whiteboard, trying to figure out what are our favorite names and then when do they sync up with the Armour Algos. But we also have this, um, this risk monitor. And it's really just a simple way to condense what the Armour Algos are saying about the top seven indexes, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ small cap, those are the, the primary, and then value, momentum, and IBD50 are the secondary. We probably could add the ARC funds to that, ARC Innovator, if we wanted. Um, but I think IBD50 covers it, so I haven't, haven't made that change yet. So what the Armour Report has been saying for the last couple of weeks, what the Armour algorithms have been saying for the last couple of weeks is that the market may go higher. We're going through a rotation. So it's almost like, I'll tell you where we are visually um, in this market. The market's running a relay race. Had a huge year last year, okay? The, the runners that that were carrying us last year are tired. Those are the disruptive growth stocks. And they're trying to hand off the baton to the industrials, to the commodity super cycle that looks like it's dawning. And we don't know if there's going to be a fumbling of that baton and it's going to drop or if it's going to be a smooth handoff and the markets make new highs. That's where we are right now. And the armor risk monitors on yellow caution. What it's saying is, you can put money to work. There's money to be made out there in these commodity super cycle type names, but the risks are a lot higher. This is not one of those times where you can plow into the entire portfolio and expect massive results overnight. You have to put capital to work when you think rewards worth risk. You have to cut losses as soon as you realize you're wrong about that. And then you see what's working, stay with those names and keep pressing that bet right? Add more to those groups. Because if we're going to get that handoff and the market starts to run again, if the, 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 the baton passes in a relatively smooth way, you're going to want to have your portfolio set up. And I'm going to show you what we're doing at the Armour Report to do that. But let's just look at the indexes real quick, right? So is this a double top in the market or is this a breaking of the downtrend, which is a new risk on buy signal and a pullback that holds higher levels? That's okay. Then the market goes higher next week, then we'll be off to the races and everything will be fine. Obviously, if we break down below the 50 again and down below this uptrend again, we're going to have to defend capital and raise cash. I was saying this week at the Armour Morning meetings, and every Armour Insider is a part of this. We, we, um, at 8.30 every morning, we get ready for the trading session. We do a video exclusive for Armour Insiders. And um, 
what we've been talking about last week on those meetings, in those meetings, is that when the S&P is trading between 3,900 and 4,000, a lot of that motion is just noise. So when you get a rip lower, instead of puking out your whole portfolio thinking the end of the world is near, you have to realize it's just, it's just in a range, and there's wild volatility in that range. And so you really, this explains kind of why the armor uh, um, risk monitor is still yellow. You could say, well, there was a lot of things that happened last week that looked dangerous. I, it might look dangerous, but at the end of the day, trading in that range is just trading in that range. And what you want to be doing, and we talked about it last week, is it's a mean reversion market. When you get a sell-off that's aggressive, you look to buy that sell-off for the rip higher. But you don't look for it to skyrocket. You say, okay, it gets to the top of that range. You want to book your profits. Let me show you what I mean. So um, we had a big, um, when I say big, and we had a big trade. Um, what's going on here? I'm going to show you a, a fairly sizable trade, profitable trade in the NASDAQ 100. Um, Huh. In the NASDAQ 100 last week, if my trade station software doesn't blow up on us, great. Okay, I'm going to show you right here. So first of all, when I talk about sizable, and I was sharing this with you all, um, let me see, it's 310, right? I've just increased the weight here so you can see it, okay? When I say sizable, let me explain how I trade indexes, all right? I'm going to day trade. We have an armor um, day trading room where we share our screen for the first couple hours of every day to put on our day trades. Um, there's different markets for different day trading setups, different day trading triggers. When we're in a defined uptrend, we look for one type of setup. When we're in a mean reversion market with no uptrend, we look for a different setup. And this is what we talked about first thing in the morning Friday on the NASDAQ, okay? Right down here. So first of all, this is an intraday chart. Each bar is three minutes. The blue bars are up. The magenta bars are down. All the lines on the screen are graphic representation of an armor day trading trigger algorithm that we call the price movement profile or the PMP, okay? Its core, the core of the PMP, is the volume weighted average price, the VWAP, which are these black dots. This is the line of demarcation. So this was Thursday. This was Friday's trading. When we trade dramatically below the VWAP in a mean reversion market, we look for a move back up to the mean. Okay, now we like to use spot gamma information to help us with this. So uh, those of you who know Spot Gamma, in fact, you could see on this channel um, um, the highlighted video on this YouTube channel is an interview we had with Brent Kachuba, the, the founder of Spot Gamma. And so what we talked about was how to take Spot Gamma information, which is options gamma information, and, uh, and, and turbocharge your trading uh, uh, performance. And this is how we do it at the Armour Report. So when we're trading this far below the VWAP, and we go right to a gamma level, this purple line, which was 310, which is the put wall. Now, those of you who are part of that call or who have watched that video, if you haven't, I suggest you go watch the video. It's the highlighted video on this channel. And give it a thumbs up, okay? Because I think when you're done watching it, your trading performance will improve. One major takeaway that Brent shared with us that day is that one of his favorite trades is to find a trade off of the put wall. Because very often, when you hit a put wall, guys who are long puts, they don't stay as long on a trade as guys who are long calls. So when they start to make money on a put, they start booking profits. And when they book profits, it drives dealers to start covering their shorts, buying the market, it rips higher. The fact that we know this at the Armour Report, and I say we're on a monster trade. It's not that the NASDAQ has to go up huge for it to be monster. What I like to do in my own account 
is I'll trade five to 10 times the size position on an index. So I might put five to 10 stocks into a day trading portfolio first thing in the morning, or I might just trade the S&P and the NASDAQ five times, right? Or I might just trade the NASDAQ, my entire day trading portfolio, okay? That's how I make money with the indexes. Sounds risky, but at the end of the day, it's less risky than putting 10 different trades on on 10 different stocks, trying to manage the risk of those 10 and execute fast. So on certain days with a lot of volatility, I like to just focus on the indexes, put on a big position with a tight stop and make my money, okay? So this is what we did on Friday. It, it, the market was below the VWAP and sold right down to the 310 area highlighted in the spot gamma report. We got our risk on buy signal as we go back above top day VWAP, which was right here. All right. And what we do is we don't buy the bar that goes above VWAP. You don't forget these are three minute bars. We don't buy the bar that goes above VWAP. We wait to take out the high of that bar by X pennies. Could be three cents, could be four, could be two. It depends on the day and the, the, the type of trading behavior. Okay. So it didn't happen here. Boom, boom. On this bar right here, when it went above the high of the original bar that took out the VWAP, that's when we get long. And it traded higher right up towards previous day's VWAP. Now, it didn't quite get to it, right? It was right below this armor moving average, right? But if I have a big enough position size on, I sell a little bit at the opening range high, and we actually bought what we sold here. We ended up buying back at 1130. Okay, so we were able to trade that that bit again, rallied back up. We saw a little bit at the first Fibonacci higher. Then we watch it trade. And as it makes a double top, we book a little bit more. Right. And then we just book a little bit the rest of the way, depending on how you want to trade it. So what made it a monster trade for me was the ease of that trade. It was just such a simple trade. The risk was minimal. There was reward there. The setup was great. We made money. That's how we trade. Now, I digress a little bit. I got off some of my topic there. But just to wrap up this segment, I would say, how are we going to trade next week? It's very possible to me. I wouldn't write off. And let me just, this is, this is the part that maybe the takeaway for you all. The armor portfolios, the invest in the swing are 70% invested, 30% cash. We have 30% cash to put to work. A part of me really wants to earmark that for NASDAQ 100 type of names. I'm not sure I'm going to be buying dis disruptive growth names um, such as Peloton or, or, or Zoom or, or any of those names. Those are 2020 names. But there are a number of NASDAQ type of technology growth names that are affected by the commodity super cycle the, the economy reopened trade. So what we're trying to do with the armor portfolios is we're stringing together a portfolio where every piece of that portfolio is touched by the shortage in markets. Steel companies, auto companies. Then you figure out auto companies have a shortage. What's the shortage? Semiconductors. So you look for semiconductor companies that are, that are directly involved in that process. Everything in the portfolio is touched by, in some way, that theme of commodity supercycle. So you got some gold, you got some silver. So there's ways to play technology, but we're trying to find technology that is, is not um, just a technology that works in a pandemic. Okay, so I'll give you an example. One of our best positions from last week, but before I get off the NASDAQ 100, um, I, I wouldn't write off this chart yet, okay? This, the first run, this was a 12.5% decline off the top, which is a decent correction right back to the 300 support areas you could see, okay? A, attempt to get above the 50 that was knocked back down. If it breaks out back above the 50 next week, write this down. If it breaks out above the 50 next week, we could be 
Risk monitor green. All we need is for the NASDAQ 100 to join the, um, the Dow and the value and the small cap and the, and the S&P indexes. And we'll have enough confluence to put more capital to work. So watch that closely. Now let's skip over to our, our, and this is why we're not giving up completely on NASDAQ 100 names. One of our best performing stocks of last week is Facebook. Okay. And so what is it about Facebook that's working? Well, Facebook is clearly not a pure 2020 stock like a Peloton or a Zoom or a Teladoc or any of those names, right? It's a NASDAQ 100 behemoth that's gone through a consolidation. It's breaking out of a pennant. But what's really compelling to me is, and you could look at a couple of names here. Facebook is what we own, but take a look at Google. Take a look at Twitter. Okay. Now, those aren't patterns I want to buy, but what I'll submit to you is all of those stocks are holding up well and actually leading the whole market as the market suffers. It's leading all the tech stocks, those three names. Why? Because they're connected to an ad revenue super cycle of their own. There's been a shift of how ads are, are um, um, served up the ROI on ads are higher. Companies are paying more for those ads. The margins are better. So there is a dynamic shift in the ad business. And it's why at the top of our whiteboard, we always have Pinterest okay, and Snap. We don't own these names right now. But what they all have in common, and Facebook is the best chart right now, and it's breaking out, and that's why we're there, is they all have a piece of the ad business that's really booming. Okay? So, my last thought then is, keep your eye on the NASDAQ this week. How are we going to trade the market? Keep your eye on the NASDAQ. If it breaks above and closes above the 50-day moving average, windows probably open to put capital work. We're going to take that 30% of cash. Some of it we might allocate towards other you know, um, industrial names that look good, but some of it we're going to allocate to, to NASDAQ 100 type of names, okay? And if you're unsure which name to go with, sometimes it's best just to own the triple Qs. So you can own shares of QLD, which is twice the performance of the QQQ. And I always feel like, this is for the swing portfolio, right? I always feel like um, when you buy QLD, it's literally like buying a growth stock, except for you don't have the risk of that particular stock that you buy announcing a secondary and the stock dropping 15%, right? So you get the performance of a growth stock without the individual growth stock risk. And for that, I don't mind a little bit of decay in a 2X ETF. So I might just use QLD and pop that in the portfolio. I might put 15% of my portfolio QLD gives me 30% exposure to QQQ and I've just gotten the exposure to that part of the market to round out my whole portfolio. I may do that, okay? If not, I'll go to the top names, the top shelf names on my whiteboard. And when the NASDAQ closes above the 50, I'll start laying in those names that have the right patterns. Now let's get on to, um, oh, I always talk too long. Let's um, talk real, real quick about precious, uh, precious metals, okay? All right, um, gold, silver, what's happening last week? This is the chart of gold, okay? Holding up right at the key level of support it had to hold uh, unless it was going to be an implosion, okay? Silver stays in the pennant. A couple of things, I'll make this brief, and we'll talk more about these issues if we start to get more positive movement on the metals. But I just wanted to touch base with you again on the metals, let you know that the Armour Report has an allocation to the metals already. We bought them right near the lows couple reasons why. First of all, um, you see rates going up. You see the dollar strong. It was like a, a, a perfect cocktail for uh, precious metals to get destroyed last week, and instead they go higher. At the Fed meeting, right, all these things that 
generally put metals down, they went higher. So when I start to see the price action, right, I read and react to price action. The price action last week was very bullish in a quiet way when no one's talking about it. That's step one to precious metals investing. Always put money to work at precious metals if you have an interest in precious metals. Always do it when nobody's talking about it, nobody likes them, and everyone laughs at you. That's the time to buy the metals. When they're running and they're interviewing people on CNBC about how great precious metal stocks are, that's when you start selling into the news. Okay, so that's clearly the plan here. You put a position on down here. When it spikes and everyone's excited, you book some profits, raise your stops, and leave it alone. One of these times, it's going to rip higher and keep on going. So you'll have your core position on, and you'll keep making money. All right? But if it keeps doing this, what happens is when it pops up, you book some of your profit, raise your stop, and then step away. If it takes you out of your stop, all right, you made some money. It was a swing trade. If it rips higher and we begin this super cycle in the metals that we think we're going to get at some point in my lifetime, then, uh, then you have a position on and it makes you a lot of money. Okay, next week is OPEX. So this is another test. Typically speaking, precious metals go down the week of options expiration. Gold is rolling off the books and June gold, all right, will be the month now. And what's so important about that is that June is the month that gold will be recognized as a tier one asset for banks with a hundred percent release. We've been talking about this ad nauseum for the last couple of years. Last, so let me just lay it out for you um, as quick as I can to make this simple to understand and easy to execute. Okay. Gold has been in the midst of a, price suppression scheme, so is silver, for decades, led by Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and the bullion banks. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan are net long the metals in a major way and have been building that position for the last two years. Last year, gold was designated as a tier one asset. Let me explain what's going on. Banks, when they collect cash in checking and savings accounts, that is a liability on their balance sheet. The, the, the Fed has set a reserve ratio of how much reserves, assets in tier one assets, assets in tier one assets that match against, that match against their um, liabilities, okay? Up until recently, the only tier one asset you could hold are government bonds. We discovered how awful that was. In 2008, we all discovered that owning a lot of Greek government bonds was a major problem. So out of that, gold was allowed to be a tier one asset on bank balance sheets. I'm making this simple to understand. I'm not going through all the backstory, okay? There's a lot more that goes to it, but I'm just giving you the basics. Now we have massive amounts of stimulus checks. This is great for banks. Bank stocks are up a lot. All right? Bank stocks are up a lot. They're getting tons of assets into their, into their banks, which are liabilities. This is stressing their reserve ratio. June will mark the month, I think June 28th is the day, where gold inside of a bank's balance sheet will have a 100% release towards that reserve ratio. We believe at the Armour Report that this most recent knockdown in price over the last, I don't know, since last August, was a suppression scheme to help banks get their balance sheets in order and build up enough bullion positions to help match against their liabilities. What happens after June 28th is that central banks and bullion banks and banks in general want to see gold go up to help balance the ever-increasing amount of stimulus checks that are coming into the bank accounts. Okay? So what's interesting about last week is that we had a cocktail that should have been toxic for the metals, and it wasn't. They went up anyway. And then this week coming up, we're going to have OPEX, which typically beats up the metals. If it doesn't, these are footprints. These are hoof prints. 
of a bull market that's coming in these metals. And so we're going to be there. Okay. And then as we get closer to June, you know, we don't know, does it happen after June? Does, does gold start to get revalued higher? Because it's a, it's, we're no longer fighting banks. We're on the side of banks. Does that finally happen in June? We're all waiting for that moment. It may. All you have to do is inflate away the debt. The United States government's got massive amounts of debt. But also the United States government's the largest owner of gold. Gold doubles in value. All of a sudden, the balance sheet of the United States government looks a whole lot better. So at some point in here, that's why we all keep focusing on this asset and, of course, silver. Because at some point, in the midst of a commodity super cycle, these things get out of hand on the upside. And what I submit to you is, the Armour Report, we want to own some now. So while everybody else is chasing, we're making money. That's the plan there. Now let's wrap up with cannabis. Um, there was a story recently. I just wanted to make this one, you know, first of all, let me just, you know, show you MSOS, okay? This is our favorite cannabis position, the U.S. MSOs. You can go in there and you can buy um, your favorite names in the cannabis space. So don't forget the hub and the spoke approach we're taking. The hub is going to be MSOS and YOLO. Those are our favorite ETFs to own. And then around that, we're going to be buying our favorite individual names. And they're going to be our top, you know, um, our top four or five uh, cannabis, you know, companies. Probably, um, what do we got here? Just to give you a, a basic feel, right? We're going to own some Cureleaf. Um, seems to be. Let me see what's going on here. Give you some thoughts on what are our favorite names, right? And they really haven't changed. You can see the Cure Leaf chart looks great. It's holding above the 50-day, and the U.S. the U.S. cannabis stocks are holding up so much better compared to Canadian. And so we've really decided. So here, this is hot off the press. There are cannabis positions. We have removed most of our Canadian cannabis investments, and we are focusing on the U.S. cannabis companies. Okay, that's the stage that we're in right now. So, um, top names. True Leaf. Okay. Um, Green Thumb, we just looked at. Cure Leaf and Cresco. These are our favorite names. Those are the top tier for us. There's other names that are a little bit smaller that you know, we could discuss, but those are the big names. Those are the names we want to own. Is it time to own shares of GrowGen again? It may be. It really may be. This will be at the top of my whiteboard to day trade on Monday. And if I get the day trade right and it rips higher, I might hold it in the swing portfolio. Can you believe I just said that? I don't believe it. But I did. This looks like the first test of the 50-day moving average after the breakout from down here. And so I love to buy that first test if it sets up right. And it looks like it really is. Okay, this was the day trading screen of, so what are we going to look for to, uh, on Monday on GrowGen? We want to see a move back down to test VWAP. And if it holds and reverses, we get long. That'll be our trade there. All right, so I just wanted to mention one thing. Um, I'm going to say this. Please recognize that... Um, this is a high-risk situation. I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. I'm just sharing with you something that intrigues me on the trading desk that I'm going to own personally. All right, so please do your own homework on this. But there was a major announcement last week that a cannabis technology company raised a whole bunch of money, okay, called Dutchie. Nobody's really talking about the cannabis technology space. And the reason for that's obvious. We're so early in the game. If you're a cannabis company and you don't even have the ability to bank, how much are you really going to care about, you know, 
um, um, using the right ERP software, the right CRM software, the design for your company. You're not going to spend a lot of money there. But I believe this could be the year. If we get all of the expected legislation, which is a big if, okay? All right? I never, ever, ever want to be on the side of investing um, because I think the government might, might do something right. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. All right? So we're going to look at chart patterns. We're going to own things. But I'm going to share with you the stock pattern. I talked about it a couple months ago or maybe a month ago. And I said, look, I'm not going to share this name with you because we're doing research. I'm not ready. I'm going to share it with Armour Insiders first. Insiders all know about this company now. I'm going to share it with all of you on YouTube, all right? I think now's the time for you to do research on Acorn. Acorn's a publicly traded company that is a cannabis technology company that helps cannabis companies deal with all the rules and regulations in each jurisdiction, okay? And they've been cobbling together. They've been making acquisitions in the last year or so to create a really good cannabis offering in the technology space. Now, I don't know if a company like Dutchie, which has a whole bunch of money flooding in from, you know, Silicon Valley guys, who knows? Maybe they're going to wreck Acorn's business. So the competition could kill their business. I don't know that. This is not as cut and dry as owning Grow Generation a couple of years ago at $3.50. But take a look at this chart pattern and tell me it doesn't look identical. Okay? This is what Acorn looks like. Okay? I submit to you, owning the stock right down here is exactly like the trade that we did for Armour Portfolios in 2020 when we bought shares of GrowGen. Look at this chart pattern. Remember this pattern and then go look at GrowGen with me. I'm going to change the time frame so you can see this. You won't believe the similarities. And GrowGen at the time was, and nobody knew this company at the time we were buying it. I mean, it was just totally, a, look, at, look at the stock. Look at, the, look at that. It's exactly the same pattern as Acorn is right now. Now, what we did last year, right here, April of 2020, we were buying GrowGen right here at $3.50. Okay? Okay. And we know what happened. The sky's the limit. Now, we also doubled our position up around $7 on this pennant formation here when they announced they were doing a secondary offering. So you don't have to be early. You could wait for it to break out of this, this structure if you wish. But now's the time. What I submit to you is now's the time for you to do your homework on Acorn. Look at that chart pattern on GrowGen, burn it into your brain, and then look at Acorn. Okay? Risk is limited down here. Reward could be significant if money starts to flow into the cannabis technology names. It's a thin stock. There's a lot of risk in it. This is not a recommendation for you to buy the stock on Monday. This is a recommendation for you to do your own due diligence. And if it fits your risk profile and you think it's the right idea, I'm glad I was able to help if you make money. That's it for today. I'll take your questions now. Thanks for spending time with me. What do you got? All right. Um, and don't forget, hit that like button for me, guys. It's going to help me out. It's going to help you out because the bigger the pool of Armour Insiders, the bigger the pool of our um, army of analysts, that community gets stronger and stronger. All right. What do you got? Sean. Amgen. All right, let's take a look at Amgen. Is it really AMGN? You like Amgen? Well, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, Amgen looks all right. Not a bad chart pattern there. Huge volume on Friday. All right, and but this is basically a biotech idea. Let's look at the IBB. 
I, I don't know what to make of these patterns, you know, right now. They're just not my favorite. But I'll tell you what, if the NASDAQ 100 breaks above the 50 and closes above the 50, it's not going to do it without IBB. So it's almost an exact replica of the NASDAQ 100. And if that happens, then Amgen, which is in the NASDAQ 100, could be a really great idea. Might be a leader. Thermal Fisher, is that what TMO? Beautiful TMO. I don't know. All right, what do you got here? Hey, Brett, thought on TRTN. Hmm. Well, not a, I mean, not a, not a bad idea from a chart standpoint. Um, Bermuda-based company, chassis, dry freight, or fridge, tanks. You know, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. Here's the thing um, that I would say about this. And you have to ask yourself, uh, Alex, what's the, what's the catalyst inside the company? So when I'm putting together a portfolio of um, uh, any, any type of stock, but in this case, industrials, we could buy any industrial because there's a group move coming to industrials. But if we want to create alpha over a long period of time, we need to find the industrials that have something going on in their business that's a dramatic change. That change is what drives the stock higher and creates alpha. I'll give you an example. In the armor portfolios, okay, we own shares of General Motors, okay? So we have a perfect chart pattern. We have a breakout here. We own shares of Ford, okay? Nice, strong uptrend. I'm not just buying auto companies because I like auto. I'm buying auto companies because we're at the dawn of EV. It carries higher margins. And that's combining, when I say the dawn of EV, I mean EV on a grand scale for all of these other companies. Forget about Tesla. Tesla's thing of the past. These companies that are starting to come with their offerings. You put that story together with a shortage of automobiles based on the problem with semiconductors, and you get this perfect storm. So there's an investment theme. It's not just people are going to start leaving their houses and going back to work and buying more cars, which is the economy reopen industrial theme. But there's more behind it, right, that really gets me um, uh, interested. Or, for instance, MGA. Who's the company that's making the chassis, you know, and, and, and making all the things that, that make EV work? For a lot of these companies, it's MGA. Right? And this thing is just crawling up the uptrend. It doesn't even know the market was down. Well, the market wasn't. The Dow stocks were higher. The industrials were higher. But you see what I'm saying? So anyway, if you can tell me, Alex, that there's something about TRTN that's, that's unique, then I would be more interested. Someone who's, okay, what do we got here? Carter, someone who's never bought a gold, silver, or cannabis. You've never bought gold or silver stocks? Or cannabis. All right. Well, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> Hello, Festerosa. How are you? QRVO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's look at QRVO together. You know, it should be in the portfolio. A great 5G company. That chart looks really strong. It's outperforming most of the, uh, uh, of the semiconductor companies. Now, the semi-stocks that we own in the Armour portfolio right now are Micron, okay, and shares of Intel, okay? This is a massive island reversal, cup and handle breakout, okay? But um, I like QRVO, you know? I think that um, Xilinx is worth a look. They're being taken over by AMD this summer. It's trading at, a, I don't know, 10 or 11% discount to its takeout price. And if the NASDAQ breaks above the 50-day moving average, we might be adding shares of Xilinx. But I really like, you know, QRVO, and I should probably be adding shares of QRVO as well. That's a really nice, you know, tight pattern it's formed right at the 50-day. So the stop loss is perfect. If you were to add it here, your stop is probably the low of that day. 
Morning. Hey, Tech Monkey, what's happening? Glad to see you. Do you think that um, Mexico legalizing cannabis will influence U.S. regulation? Um, Deb, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I, don't, I don't think Mexico doing anything influences the United States of America. And I don't have any interest in buying Mexican cannabis companies. I'm not saying you guys can't do it. You could take a 50 cent stock and sell it out at three bucks because everybody at Reddit thinks it's great. Uh, I mean, have at it. Don't wait for me for that trade. But when it comes to the armor report, I would say that that particular Mexican company that I'm talking about, um, you know, has no cash in the balance sheet. They're going to have to raise cash to do anything that they really want to do. It's going to dilute shareholders. I mean, unless you're hoping that someone's going to come take them over, which may happen, I just, here's my personal thought. The upside is so enormous over the next three to five to 10 years in U.S. cannabis companies that I just don't see the need to take the risk on a Mexican or a Colombian or whatever cannabis company that is the flavor of the minute. You know, um, I hope I don't sound too caustic. I mean, I, if you like the idea, have at it. Um, but the Armour Report is about focusing on sound, fundamental research. I can do that by picking up the phone and talking to management teams. I can do that by listening to conference calls. I like to read research reports, even though I don't trust them. I like to hear what the street's saying. If I can't do that for a company, like I don't, I don't buy Chinese companies. Do I miss upside on some Chinese stocks? Absolutely. I'm making money somewhere else in the U.S. I mean, I won't buy a Chinese company because I don't trust the financials. They don't follow guidelines. They, they do whatever they want. I don't need a Chinese company in my portfolio. It's all opportunity cost of money. So whatever dollars somebody wants me to commit to a Mexican cannabis company, and let's be honest, the rule of law in Mexico is not as tight as the rule of law in the U.S. I would just feel more comfortable buying more of my top four favorite MSOs or diving down into some smaller cap U.S. MSOs or buying shares of Kern. I mean, that's kind of where my focus is, where I can do my research. So anyway, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but I don't think Mexican legalization gets the U.S. Congress to do anything quicker. You know, it would be great if it did. But who knows? Sold MSOS. Cannabis without institutional investment banking, can they really have legs? Absolutely they can. Yes. In fact, Carter, um, you need to start listening to conference calls of some of these earnings announcements of U.S. MSOs. Because we heard just last week, um, here it was, this stock, Columbia Care. Okay. Columbia Care um, talked on their call about how they had a $100 billion U.S. institution put money into their company recently. And it was the first time, or was it a billion dollar? I mean, a billion dollar U.S. institution put money into their company as an investment, investing in the company. And the CEO of Columbia Care said, hey, this fund manager told us it's the first time they're buying a U.S. cannabis company that actually touches the leaf. So the institutions are coming. And as an individual investor, I'd like to be in, you know, on a position before the institutions uh, step in. Carter, I don't know, you know, I know you're an Armour Insider, but I mean, look, in case you, you, you don't, you, you came a little bit late to the party perhaps, but we've owned MSOS from here, right? With a huge run up. And I expect better things for MSOS. Now look, if it breaks below the 50-day moving average, I'll step out. And I'll wait for the next setup. But without a doubt, I want to be in these stocks well before all the institutions uh, step in. Well before. Not, not, not only are we, I know it's coming. And, and the question is, and this is the point about that announcement from or that comment from the CEO of Columbia Care. You and I are never really going to know when the institutions finally decide, you know what, we're going to start buying these names. We don't care about legislation. We see legislation coming. 
let's be honest. The reason a lot of these institutions won't buy these U.S. MSOs is because they're afraid of um, some type of federal uh, action against them. If they feel that action is not going to happen, I think they're going to start adding some of these names before legislation as well. And obviously some of the institutions are. And then once they start doing that, and some institutions start making a lot of money on those names, then all of their friends say, I can't be left behind, and they start doing it, right? If you don't feel like you're going to get prosecuted by the federal government, you could start buying these things. And that's, that seems to be what's starting to happen in the institutional world. All right. Roku, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, Carter. This is a great, this is a great point because um, – so Roku is on my list, okay? But the chart's just not there. So, I mean, if I – see, what I'm trying to do is find – if I'm going to buy growth stocks, I have to find stocks trading above their 50-day moving average that have the strongest relative strength. So Roku trading below the 50, I could buy Roku or I could buy Snap, for instance. Snap is at the 50, holding above the 50. Pinterest is a little bit behind snuggled right up against the 50, right? Meanwhile, we bought Facebook because it was clearly above the 50 and outperforming. So we just go to charts now. We have a list of our favorite names on the whiteboard. Roku's on that list. And, and we look for the right technical setup with a risk-on entry point from Armour Algos. Now, it's funny. Last week, I don't know if you caught this. I know you're an Armour Insider. I, I wrote this down. But MG, Magnite, on Friday, I said, geez, that stock we really should pay attention to. That pattern's perfect, and it's the ad story. So let's start writing down a list together of what we're going to focus on to, you know, I'll probably look to day trade these, and if I get the trade right, I might hold them overnight, right? M-G-N-I is a must. And what was the other name? I can't remember what it was. I, oh, I think it's Grogen, right? G-R-W-G. Those are the two stocks I would look to, to day trade Monday morning, and if we get them right, stay with them. RBLX. Oh, yeah, Roblox. Yeah, I'm not buying this new issue right now. Um, this is for kids. I get it. Roblox is an interesting idea, but I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. I need more... Time. I use algorithms, Festeroso, to make entry points. And if I don't have enough data, I, you know, I, I don't have anything to go by. It's just completely, you know, buying blind, and I don't ever do that. All right. Hey, Quail Hollow. Oh, great. I'm so glad you 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 um were profitable with us on the QLD trade. That was a fun trade in the morning. Hey, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So good question. Silver is not a tier one asset at all, but silver and gold tend to go together. So um, silver is more an industrial commodity and there's a shortage of all kinds of these things, industrial commodities, semiconductors, technology, and they all require silver to be in them. So there, there's a big move coming in silver. I just, you know, we have to just wait and watch the charts. Um, the Federal Reserve, um, Bank of International Settlements, the Fed, central banks, they all came together and came up with this June 28th thing. I don't know exactly who it was. I think it's the Fed, but um, don't hold me to that. Uh, and, and it's been telegraphed for a long time now. We all know that it's coming on June 28th. So there's nothing you know, surprising about that. What, what's what's back? It's time for Grogen. Can I talk about the SPAC? Oh, oh you're talking about the other U.S. MSO that I'm, that I'm buying? Um, I'm not going to talk about that. It, it doesn't trade enough. I could talk. Look, Quail Hollow, I, I, you and I can chat in the Armour um, uh, Slack room on Monday, and we can go over that question. But it's so thin, that stock, that I don't want to sit and talk about it here um, today are there any canadian silver and gold you would recommend canadian any canadian names um here are my favorite silver and gold stocks all right i mean so right now i'm just going with leadership 
you know, if I look at the huge volume on Newmont at the end of the, at the end of the day. So, you know, I like Newmont. Um, I like Royal Gold. Okay, well, it was massive volume at the end of the day Friday. I'm, I'm, I don't know why. Uh, oh, it must be options. It's OPEX. It's OPEX. I forgot. Right. Um, Franco Nevada looks, you know, looks, uh, these are all just starting to move out. Uh, you know, I like the idea of the ETFs to get started if you want smaller names, because I don't know which name's going to work. And so SILJ or GDXJ are the smaller gold and silver names, you know, um, but those are my thoughts there. Rick White, PTSG. Yeah, I love it, right? PSTG, I mean. But our pattern is just not there. That's a, that's a wild and loose pattern, not going to help us out. So there's no risk on entry point there. SHSP. Those charts look terrible. I can't, I can't go buy those, right? Neither of those charts look good to me. So in order for me to get long an, uh, an asset, I generally, Rick, like to see the asset trading. And PSTG is at the top of my list. I, I love this story, and I'd love to own it. But it has to close above the 50-day. I don't want to own a stock with a downward trending 50, 20, 25, you know, 10, 14-day moving average. It's just pushing the stock down. So it has to recapture that for me to, to get interested in that stock again. Um, <laughs> I love you, brother. Mayor, Mayor um, you're all over this idea, and I, and I love it. Um, waste management, RSG, um, those two stories, those stocks look good to me. They had shakeouts during the week. They closed near their highs. There was an analyst investor day um, um, for waste management companies on Thursday, and the stocks responded well to them. So I, I think those stocks are going higher, and I like your idea there. All right. Um, buying UPS. Uh, yeah. Um, what about buying FedEx? You know, why not go with the leader? So this is a tight looking pattern and it looks great. And it's, you know, the Dow transports are looking great. And so uh, that's the other name. I'm going to put FedEx at the top of my list to day trade in the morning. So what I want to see on Monday, ideally, this thing closed right below um, its, its um, VWAP. I want to see it hold this. Look, look, it's pretty obvious. The stop is going to be the low of yesterday. If it goes below the low of yesterday, you're out of FedEx. But if it sets up a nice uh, day trade in the morning, I might get long FedEx and stay with it. So I think that stock can really go. Um, I always rather go with the leader than go with the laggard. So uh, I'm going to stay out of UPS and focus on um, getting long FedEx. Oh, yeah. Yeah. GE. That's got to put that on our list again. So they're going through a transformation. They're going to have a, um, a, a um, reverse stock split, which will be trading somewhere near $100 a share or something. Um, you had that three down bars in a row when they made all those announcements. So that kind of gets me out of the stock for the, for the time being. This is a classic three bar reversal, and that tells me it needs time to build another base. But it's, it's on my list. I mean, if it could build a base, come back and test the 50, hold above 12, I might look to buy it down there. All right, looks like you guys are done asking questions, and I appreciate your time with me. I look forward to seeing all Armor Insiders inside the day trading room, 8.30 in the morning for our morning meeting. Um, I'll answer a couple more questions if you have them. We can look at MOGO. But uh, don't forget, hit the like button for me, okay? It really helps me out. And any comments you guys have or thoughts after this meeting, put it into the comments section. That helps as well. All right, a couple more questions. M-G-M-O-G-O. I don't know a lot about this company. I got to do a little bit of work on it. You know, not much to say about that. I know it's been a good day trading tool. You know, and you could always day trade it, but... I have to do some more work on that to give you a, an, an answer. Let me just see something before I move on.
Yeah, online lending, you know, they're going to announce earnings in a couple of days. I'm probably not buying the stock up here in front of earnings. I mean, that's my only comment. Um, AT&T. Yeah, absolutely. AT&T, this, to me, this is just stupid money, AT&T, for an investing portfolio. You know, all the bad news and all the reasons why people love to hate AT&T, okay, are already in the stock. I know, I know it, you know it, everybody knows it, okay? Everybody knows it. AT&T is terrible. I get it. Terrible management, blah, blah, blah. They made some stupid investments. I understand that. And the stock doesn't make a new low. It just keeps going sideways, paying you a 7% dividend yield. So if you're an investor and you want to collect yield and you think the turnaround story will come through at some point, which I do, and when it does, let me tell you something, the stock will go from 30 up into the $40 range, maybe higher, right? This is a massive bottom in the stock, massive. And you can employ an um, option call writing program to increase your yield on the stock. So that's a no-brainer. Now, IBM, that's a real you know, head-scratcher for me. It's the same situation on IBM. Everybody knows the downside and the stock hasn't gone any lower. All right. And you could argue actually that the stock is making a higher low. So the last earnings announcement was another disappointment, but the stock held above the prior disappointments low. So here's an earnings announcement gap down that nobody liked. Then it rallied. Then they disappointed again. It gapped down, but look, it held a higher low. So you could either own it in here and collect the dividend waiting for the turnaround to happen or at some point, it's going to gap out of here on a blowout earnings number, and the turnaround will be uh, underway. And you can always buy it then because I think the stock have huge upside. So it depends on the type of investor you are. If you're patient enough and you want to collect yield, IBM's a no-brainer. All right, guys, there it is. Hit that like button. All right, take care. Have a great weekend. I'll see you all on Monday.